Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to share the stories of everyday people doing remarkable things in communities of color, all while sipping on a glass of wine. Today's episode is a bonus episode. I sit down with my political soul sister, Aurea Bolaños, again, and we talk about all the political chisme. From Bernie Sanders suspending his campaign to how COVID-19 is affecting the primaries and how we're able to keep the representatives we vote in honest and doing the right things for the communities they represent. I know it's a bit longer than many of the other podcasts, but with so much going on and the passion that we both have, believe me, it's totally worth it. So grab your glass of wine and join us for the chisme. wonderful to have you back oh thank you so much for having me back I'm so excited to see you I know I'm so excited to see you how are you doing with all this COVID-19 stuff you know surprisingly okay I mean I'm just happy that my family is healthy I am very happy that you know I still have a job that my mom is okay and for somebody I'm not sure if I'm really, really enjoying the physical distancing because, of course, I love going to a coffee shop and, like, seeing people. But I'm also enjoying that alone time. Yeah. And maybe that's just me. I'm comfortable with being by myself most days. So I'm okay. It's, it could be worse. That's what I'm saying. This is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I... You know, I, I'm, you know, I'm a super extroverted person. So yeah. the physical distancing is hard for me. Mm-hmm. I I like being around people. I get my energy from people and there's no people out. <laughs> so, nice. But so what I will say, the really cool thing was this evening, my neighbor texted me. First of all, I have really awesome neighbors. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, like we all kind of share information of what's going on. We have each other's numbers. I have everybody except the person above me, but they're like weird, crazy. Nope. They're not the kind of, not, or they're not the most social people, which so mm. they're probably good with this. But um, one of them texted me and was like, hey, there's a man playing music down the street. Mm-hmm. And there was a okay. guy on one of the houses down the street from where I live playing mm-hmm. live music. And it was so lovely and there was people everybody was staying their social distance it was just it was really really cool so um so today is sunday and we're doing like a sunday fun day type of post because our recording so i'm Mm -hmm. doing something a little bit different than i normally do and i'm Mm -hmm. actually drinking a mimosa so technically, I'm I am still drinking wine because it's technically sparkling wine. Well, technically, you're very right. Yeah. Yes. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, 
So here's, I'm, and I normally don't get a, um, an expensive sparkling mm-hmm. wine when I do mimosas. Mm-hmm. So I just have an Andre California champagne, which it really can't be called champagne. It's a brew. Um, I think it's, it was like $5.99 at Smart and Final or something like that. So, oh, okay. Yes. What are you drinking this evening? I am drinking coffee with eggnog because it is, I know, right? I, I just don't have food in the house. I, my mom is a big fiend on eggnog. So whenever they it comes out for the holidays, she like buy, she stacks up on it. Wow. So a little bit of coffee and some eggnog in there, you know, just to nice. put me to sleep very nicely later well, today. Well, don't fall asleep during our no, 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 no during no. our recording. <laughs> no, I'm sure. But we did. We're kind of doing this because a lot has happened politically yeah. over yes. the last week. But before we get into the cheeseman, the political cheeseman, why don't you mm. remind people what your role is within politics? Um, so they know that we have somebody who really knows what they're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my role in politics for one is kind of as a consultant, right? So I help women that are interested in running for office to kind of start what that looks like, their campaign, finding people, uh, especially women of color. There's a lot of women in our community in San Diego, but just throughout California that don't feel like they should be in office. And I kind of come in and I kind of show them the ropes, like you can actually do this and let me help you how. And, you know, as a community organizer, I also um, am pretty engaged with a lot of the, you know, activism and the protests here in San Diego, but also statewide. So recently I have been in the works with some trainings about having an online book club for uh, universities throughout the state, but also um, having education, at least, you know, activist education accessible to the youth. Because the youth are really going to be the ones that solve this problem in the next 25 years, right? From climate change to uh, equity to access to health care, they're going to actually be the ones in charge of it, not us who are in the 26 and over category. Right. It's going to be those who are 25 and younger. So kind of giving them the tools. So that's kind of what I do. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, let's start with, obviously, the biggest news from the week outside of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. His campaign, mm-hmm, which virtually yeah. leaves, I mean, there's really nobody else is going to come in, I wouldn't imagine, uh, Joe Biden as the presumptive Democratic nominee. Mm-hmm. What was your feeling? Now, I follow a lot of different people, and I know we've kind of discussed this offline, mm-hmm. and I know like Gen X, like the Gen X generation, even if it's within the Latinx community and other communities, Mm-hmm. is every, or at least everybody that I know or that I follow in regards to that. Mm-hmm. It's before I'm like, let me tell you, but then, you know, um, yeah. it's kind of a double thing prior to all this COVID-19 stuff. I think, I know I keep kind of stumbling over my words, but I That's want okay. to be able to say what I want to say in a clear manner. I think people, including myself, truly liked a lot, many of the ideas, not all of the ideas that Bernie Sanders brought. You know mm-hmm. that I was an Elizabeth Warren person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I never really got on board with Bernie, but and it's not because of the ideas. I didn't agree with all the ideas. I definitely agree with many of the ideas, but it was mm-hmm. how he was all or nothing. 
Does that yeah. make sense? Like it was like, it's my way or the highway. And mm. it's about being able to truly work with people to create, you know, something that's able to go through. And I never thought, and many of my peers never thought that he would be able to get that. Yes, we can put you into presidency, but what's, you're going to be a lame duck president if nothing mm. you want is ever going to be passed. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And right now yeah. things are so crazy that you just want some sense of, okay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. right. So mm -hmm. that's what I've seen with amongst my generation and mm -hmm. people I follow that are my age. And I'm very much yeah. like Gen X Xennial person. <laughs> okay. Um, because, you know, I'm a, I was born in 77 mm -hmm. and versus like uh, millennials and Gen Z, like it's very, I feel like it's very, very different. So how do you okay. think now that this thing has cut, now that Bernie has officially suspended his campaign, how, mm -hmm. like, what do you see going forward or what do you think is going to happen going forward? I mean, first things is that Bernie Sanders is actually still on the ballot in some of the states that haven't had their primaries, right? right? So people are just like, all right, so Bernie Sanders is not a choice anymore. And some states like Georgia and Indiana that have had their, um, their primaries postponed can still vote for him because he is on the ballot currently. Right. Um, however, he, he is just not going to become the party's top choice. That's why he suspended his campaign because after uh, basically like beginning with South Carolina, right? And states like Michigan and Florida where he lost, there was just no way of him getting to get the delegates, for Bernie to get the delegates to be the DNC's nominee. So DNC, the Democratic National uh, Committee or convention. And while he was persistent and yielding of his agenda as any person that's running for office should be, right? right. You shouldn't be somebody that is willing to flip a coin on an issue, right. right? We are voting on people based on policies that speak up to us, right? There's something about access to Medicare. There's something about uh, education being a right and not a privilege. There is some important policies for us that people like Senator Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, Biden, that's the reason a lot of us are intrigued and um, interested in them. Right? Because we want to vote for people that kind of think like us. However, with him dropping out, or at least not dropping out, suspending his campaign, because he can still win the presidency. If he gets 30% of the, of the vote, of the popular vote, let's say, if people write him in higher than Biden or Trump, he could win. It's never right. been done, but it can be done. Right. right? Nothing is impossible. Um, it is not impossible. It was written in the Federalist Papers about how the Electoral College would work if there were more than two parties and or two candidates when it came to uh, the presidency. Well, so speaking yeah. of that, I mean, don't you think that's a dangerous thing? Because that's kind of what happened with 2016, right? I mean, at this point, Bernie Sanders did suspend his campaign a lot earlier than he did in 2016 mm -hmm. with Hillary Clinton, but he also didn't um, endorsed Hillary Clinton until very, very late, and people were mm -hmm. already like Bernie or bust. And because right. he hadn't gotten on board, like he hadn't truly endorsed Hillary, and people mm -hmm. were going to like Jill Stein and doing all of these other things, or they were going from Bernie to Trump, in my eyes. And I know I'm not the only one, and I may mm -hmm. get hate 
messages for this, but I mean, and that's the, that's also a challenge, right? That's also yeah. a challenge. It's like, we all have our opinion and I respect everybody's opinion, even if right. you don't agree with me and I may not agree with you, but I'm not going to start calling, like saying you hate our nation and you hate da 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 because I'm, mm -hmm. because I don't fully agree with somebody. Like, and I mm -hmm. think that's kind of what I've seen, like Bernie and Trump, Sanders and Trump are almost like the same, the different sides of the same coin. So what I would have to say that is that they, they are not like Bernie and San. Uh, no, yeah, Bernie yeah, and Trump yeah I should have clarified. Not yeah. them. They're supporters. They're they're hardcore supporters. So that's where that is the problem that a lot of us are kind of scared to have a discussion on is that the people that support us and or claim to support us, right, are the driving force behind the campaigns. As somebody that has worked in campaigns, I know that if one of the people that is our volunteer or is an influencer online that we want them to promote the message of a candidate, if they say something out of the message we have given them, which is a thoughtful, created message, so anybody that tells you it's organic is not true, they have been pumped <laughs> and been told something, then the campaign gets the heat of it, not the influencer, right? Yeah. So you are right. Are the supporters for Bernie more ardent and, you, you know, they have more force than other candidates, more than Pete's, more than Warren's, uh, more than Biden's? Yes. Just like Sam, just like Trump. But this is what, um, this is the only difference where, I, or the position where I want to say they're not quite the same. There's a difference between behavior and actions, Right. The behavior is similar, but the actions are completely different. When behaviors are similar between the Trump supporters and the Bernie supporters, where they're like, Bernie or bust, or Trump or bust, like that's gonna be it, the Trump supporters are still gonna go out and vote. But the Bernie supporters, now that he dropped out, are not. Yeah. So that's yeah. why behavior is similar, but actions are not. A lot of the youth are like Latino youth were on the Bernie campaign. And justifiably so, he is left of the left. Our youth is looking for something that is someone that is more progressive, somebody that is best able to ideologically rival the person that has been oppressive to them in their childhood, right? The people, the, the youth that is 18 or 21 was 16 years or younger four years ago. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so for a lot of them, they were already on the progressive curve. And for them, Bernie Sanders just spoke to them. They were used to be in being in a progressive place, right? And what we assume is progressive. Um, but this is the problem, at least for me, is that the DNC, not the DNC, the Democratic Party in and of itself took the easy way out. And they decided to have candidates support like Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Koblichar. They all came out of the woodwork after, after dropping out to support Biden. And it's not like they said, like, you know what? I'm going to choose who I want to choose because can you imagine if Elizabeth would have gone for Bernie or P would have gone for Bernie and said, like, no, you know what? We're supporting him instead of Biden. It would have completely shifted who was going to get nominated in August because now the uh, Democratic National Convention is being moved to August. The problem now is that with this easy way out of we just want another Obama era precedent somebody that makes us feel comfortable 
in the democracy that we supposedly want back, we're going to go with Biden. But the youth, the uh, youth of color, the women, most women, like women of color, at least young women, are not going to vote for Biden. Biden has a history of sexual assault and harassment, right? Like, are you telling me to choose between one rapist and another? Yeah. Right? Or why one old white man or the other? Ideologically, they're not very different either. One of them is just blue. The other one is red. But one of them seems like a safe choice than the other. That's it. This is not politics. Right. Government is in charge of protecting its citizens. And electorally, the parties are not doing anything to protect it, their citizens with these candidates. Because Biden is definitely not the candidate if we want to abolish prisons. He is not the candidate if we want to like fund more programs that feed single mothers and fathers and their children and the elders that they take like pardon he has voted against funding WIC, right but what he uses is don't you like that i'm associated with obama don't you like that i was in charge of this when all this happened eight years ago don't you like that's it that's literally his campaign is i was obama's vp do you think it's possible and i think this is part i mean i'm i'm sure this is part of what bernie's trying to do is I don't know if it's necessarily changing his mind or just changing the words in his campaign, to be, tr- to be perfectly honest. Um, mm-hmm. In regards to seeing something more progressive, trying to get him to have more progressive ideas, I know the last debate, first of all, the last debate between them, it was, I liked the most. I think, no, there should never be an audience member in debates because mm-hmm. there was actual debate. I hate when there's, because then people start clapping or the, the candidates... Mm-hmm or pandering to the audience instead of like talking about the issues. So I personally loved the fact that there was no audience in the last debate. There was more, uh, and obviously there was only two candidates, but it was definitely more substantive. It was definitely not necessarily pandering to the crowd for the cheers, but really mm-hmm. talking about stuff. I digress. Do you think that it's possible in that he is, Biden had referenced Elizabeth Warren had kind of helped shift his shift his thought process in regards to a couple of things um and i'm sure that something that sanders is going to be discussing with biden as well is do you think it's possible for biden to get some of those sanders supporters i mean i've seen on social media like people like you said there's a history of sexual assault i have not read the whole i've read some of it and be, as a survivor of sexual assault it's mm-hmm. like some of it i could read and some of it i couldn't some of it i was somebody who was able to report it but i wasn't in it wasn't in that thing and i reported it in two different instances when something happened one was a workplace harassment mm-hmm. and nothing happened Mm. Uh, in fact, the HR person came after me after that and, and mm. eventually got me fired. And then one time I tried to press charges and like, that's just a whole other thing. And, but in both of those instances, I was able to report it. Mm. Like mm. I had support to be able to tell me to support, you know, like mm-hmm. encourage me to report it. So mm-hmm. I don't have, so for me having the mindset of not being able to report it, mm-hmm. I haven't had to have that. You know what mm. I mean? Like okay. I've been like, no, I need to say something. I need to say something. And I've had people back me up saying, you need to say yeah. something, which emboldened me to do so. Mm-hmm. 
so that for me, that's always like a wishy-washy thing just from my experience. Does that make sense? Like I can only go by my experience. I can Mm -hmm. only go by why wouldn't you say anything? I understand, you know what I mean? Because I said something. But Mm. my experience is not everybody's experience. Right, yeah. My experience, like to be against somebody who has so much power, I'm sure it would be a totally different thing. That was not my experience. I don't even know anymore. I'm like, I, it's just so confusing. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who are confused or very much like, I'm not going to vote. But that's exactly what happened last time. And things mm-hmm. we have to remember, Ruth, Ga- Ruth Bader Ginsburg is only getting older. Chances yeah. of her going through another four years are really slim. Right. Yeah. And do we really want to get like, we have to think beyond. I feel like we only think small picture. We need to think big picture. And do we really want to give Trump the opportunity to put another Supreme Court justice onto the court? Do we want to give him, look at what he's done in all the lower courts that doesn't get any media attention. He's stacked them with people who are against, you know, minority rights, who are against abortion rights, against women's health, against like he stacked these smaller courts, these smaller mm-hmm. courts with mm-hmm. people who are totally against the interest of minorities and people of color. Mm-hmm. So what do we um, do at that point? Okay, so I'm gonna answer in a couple of bullet points I, I guess from what I've uh, from what I've heard first of all is that regardless of if it's a false accusation or not so many women have not found justice right from their men and women because men are also survivors of sexual assault uh, from those that they have accused and I didn't not- have justice I didn't no, and, and that's the thing, right? When people are just like, well, let's look at the whole story. We all deserve to have all sides heard, right? But when you are a survivor or you know one, or you study the policies that are so restrictive against seeking justice, when you do accuse somebody of sexual assault or harassment, then you know that the system, the justice system is completely stacked against you. If there is no evidence, and when they mean evidence, it's like evidence. Do you, did you see, did somebody else see this person? Do you have video? Where are your clothes, right? As somebody that has gone through the like numerous Title IX uh, courses, right? We, within institutions, I know that for even for students, and it only gets harder when you're in the private sector, when you do say, I was sexually assaulted, it is not easy for you to find justice and there's never going to be enough justice for you to get back what was done to you because just as you mentioned that act is um it's a use of power against you that is that is and it has nothing to do with how somebody looks how somebody dresses you know nothing. if somebody the only one to blame here is the is one that the assaulted you. yeah yeah exactly if that's the only person 100% of the blame goes to them that is it doesn't matter what you were wearing, where you were, who you were with, nothing. No. Um, it doesn't matter if you were drunk. First of all, none, any man or woman that has any history of assault or harassment, like of them being the perpetrators of it, should even be considered a candidate. It shouldn't even be running, right? But who are the people that are overlooking it? Those who make up the electoral politics, citizens who think that sexual assault allegations or crime is not a big deal, 
right? That they're like, oh, well, that was in the 80s. That was then. This is now. It doesn't matter. Violence is violence, right? So this is, this was the second point I did want to mention. It's like, well, how, like, how do we choose? The thing is that they should never have been choices to begin with. Yeah. No, so I, we I, as, as, I'm not saying like you, but I'm saying like we, I'm saying our communities in general, those who went out to vote, we should have been, we are accountable for our actions. We should be accountable for our actions because right. so many of us decided to overlook that. So many in the GOP, instead of saying, you know what, fuck this man, like we should not be having this kind of candidate here. This looks bad on our party. They shouldn't have allowed it, but you know what happened? People got riled up. People got riled up to have somebody that was different, and that's how Trump won. And then when you look at the Democratic Party, they don't even they don't even take the actions to seek justice within their own party, right? And this is the thing: what's going to happen now in November 2020 if the election happens is so many, so many people are not going to go out to vote. It's not even it's not even going to come close to what happened to with Hillary. Because with Hillary, people are like less of two evils, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, Hillary is a, take Hillary to prison and everything. But in that moment, people hadn't quite given up on the system yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yet. And this is when the youth, we have over 30 million people that are going to turn 18 by, by the November election. 30 million new voters. And they may decide to not show up. So question when it comes to that, it's like, it's almost like it's, oh God, this is just so frustrating, right? This whole mm-hmm. thing is just so frustrating. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you're right. They shouldn't be choices, but the reality mm-hmm. is they are. These are the choices yeah. that we have. We may not like the choice. You may not like the choice, but these are the choices. These are what we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. So 30 million people come, a lot of these people, if not, you know, majority of these young, especially if you're a young person of color and minority mm-hmm. are, are, the Bernie bus has left the station. It's no, you know what I mean? It's really true. It hasn't actually. The Bernie people still came out after he dropped out and some of them blamed Elizabeth Warren for being, for taking away uh, Bernie's possibility of winning the um, which is, the nomination, I, what do you which think makes of no that? sense. No, because I, no I'm sense. a, I'm a I was a Warren supporter. Mm-hmm. If I, a lot of people. She hasn't endorsed who, anybody with good reason. Yeah. She hasn't endorsed anybody with good reason because she knows like it's, she could end her career in that moment. So I uh, honestly, if I would have been one of the candidates running and mm-hmm. I didn't make it, I would hold off on my nomination till last minute. Your I would not be supporting any. Yeah. My endorsements are. Yeah. My endorsement. I wouldn't be. Not yet, not yet. Um, but with a lot of folks in the hashtag Bernie Bros and the hashtag Bernie or Bust, they're not looking at the big picture. They're stuck in the minutia of it's Bernie or nothing. And it's like, I get it. You love Bernie, right? A lot of us do, but you know what's bigger than this? The whole government. <laughs> not just your decision of who was gonna be president, but Senate, Congress, the courts. It is much bigger than this one man, okay? That this one savior that we all kind of wanted. Because he's not, this is, I hope, what people really understand is that the executive branch is actually not that powerful. You put it next to Congress, you put it next to Senate, it can't really do shit. Yeah. You can't do anything with this 
without the 100 senators and the 435 representatives. So really, if people wanted some change, they should really be paying attention to local elections. Who's your representative? Who's their city council member? Who's their senator? That matters because it's actually those people that accept or reject a nomination to the Supreme Court. I mean, look at <laughs> what happened with, look mm -hmm. with Mitch McConnell. I mean, he has become almost single-handedly, because look at how many bills that the House of Representatives has passed that mm -hmm. never get a vote in the Senate because Mitch mm -hmm. He's pretty much yep. single-handedly become the most powerful person in Washington. Look yep. at, well, you know, 2016. You know, the, the nominee. I mean, he's fourth on the line to get the nominee. I mean, if anything were to happen, is president, VP, then speaker of the house, right? Then all the cabinets. But he's like, he's so, he is the most powerful person. Yeah. In yeah. Senate. He is the most powerful person because his choice can veto unanimously without taking anybody's attention, like opinion into account. If he doesn't like it, it ain't going to go through. Right? Yeah. And so, What's going to happen now is that we should have invested more money in local campaigns, right? And people that are probably going to be elected and reelected for the next 10 years compared to a precedent, right? And maybe that would have changed something, right? If our local politics actually looks like the people it represents, then that is only a trickle effect upwards. Yeah. Right? And that is not going to happen unless we do something about it. And, and the census is a big part of that. We had an Instagram live in regards yes, to did. how to, to in regards to how to take the census and yeah. we're still able to take the census, but that's why it's so important because right now, depending on your local politics, depending on your state politics, they're the ones who draw district lines mm -hmm. or your that's state gerrymandering happens. And so if you're, if you, so if you have like a bunch of Republicans or Democrats, right, mm -hmm. they're going, they both do things that favor them. However, mm -hmm. you have to say which one, like based on who I am, based on what my, what me and my neighbors look like, do I want somebody that represents what this neighborhood looks like? Look, for example, in our area, I think we're in the same district, right? We're in the 53rd district. Of I'm 51. Okay, well, I'm 53. So, you know, you look at all of the different candidates in the district. Mm -hmm. Person who, and this is what irritates me so much with politics, and it'll never change unless we force it to change, which mm -hmm. is by voting. And that's the thing. Like, we, if you don't go out, none of this changes. And that's like Absolutely more right. than anything else. You know what? If you well, if you go out and you're like I don't want either of these people vote everything else but for the president then right you know you don't you're not forced to vote for a president but if you you can't stay home you cannot mm -hmm. stay home and expect mm -hmm. things to change that is that is very true we are not forcing anybody even as a as somebody that works in, intimately with politicians. I'm not going to first force anybody, right? Because your vote is your vote and it is your chance to make your voice heard. But when in the coming months we start, we need to rally against Trump to defeat him. And that is certainly what most of us that don't want him elected again should be doing. Right. It means that we need to make a point to ensure that the citizens feel represented with Biden. 
And that is only going to come from making sure that the young people, people that are low income, women, we feel that our candidate is going to respond to our concerns. That is literally it. That is that is the way, one way to mitigate the situation come November, right? What do you think some of the key are? Like, who do you think he has to, as far as the VP pick, what do you think he has to truly consider? Obviously, he said that he was going to choose a woman. A woman, yeah. Um, what do you think are the keys in regards to that VP pick, in regards to people feeling more represented? I don't think he was going to run again. I mean, his age already. I think I if don't... If you're pers- over the age of 70, you should not be running for president. Like, I would add that rule. I am sorry. Are you really going to be 78 by the time you're out of here? No. And you're right, mine. No, 60? I can deal with 60-year-old. But I mean, with Ronald Reagan, at the end of his presidency, they were saying, like, I've seen so many documentaries and stuff where he really wasn't the one running things at the end of his presidency because he was already succumbing to, like, dementia and Alzheimer's or, you know, whatever. This ideal that old white, that old men know best is, uh, befines me. Like, are you kidding me? Like, an old man, an old man can make better decisions for the whole country yeah. than a young woman, than a woman, than a young man of color. Are you kidding? No, I just can't. If you're over the age of 65, don't run. It's over. You've done it. You had your career. You could have run for president before. You didn't let other people have the opportunity to do it. Because that's all I could see in this candidate and these candidates in the past like 10 months is that many of them that are older decided to have their last hurrah. And you know what? They wasted their time. They wasted my time. They wasted my time. I have seen multiple white men and white women run. Okay. Give it a shot to other people. Why is it so important for them to still stay in privilege and spaces of privilege when they can use their platform to support somebody else? Oh, that just gets me. Um, But when it comes to uh, Biden, he did already say that he was going to choose a woman and he would be shooting himself on a foot if he chose a white woman. The one way, honest, there's been some talks that Stacey Abrams is going to be his pick. And I'm thinking that Stacey Abrams is, I definitely already know that there's been some talk that she may run for president in eight years. And believe me, she's probably going to win when she does run. Um, The thing is that when we have one of the most dangerous presidents in modern history in this country, it's going to take a very radical choice and very radical action to make sure that he is unseated in November. So that means that Joe Biden and his campaign team and the people that are we're supposed to rally up need to understand that a radical choice need to be made. And a radical choice means when you choose this woman, this woman better represent ideologically the people that feel left out after Bernie left and after Warren left and after Buttigieg left. Although I'm pretty sure that a lot of the Buttigieg and Kovalchard like voters went to Biden, but regardless, you need so a who do you choice. That person would be, or what do you like? A few people. Well, I would choose Stacey Abrams, but I think she's way too strong. She's way too big. Like she's a big fish. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. she is powerful in herself. So I would honestly would think she's selling herself short as VP. But right now, of the women. Honestly, a lot of the a lot of the talk has been like, oh, maybe Elizabeth Warren. No, don't do it. Stay a senator. Just stay a senator. Um, I will. I'm not quite sure. I'm not. I honestly do not know who has been in the talks because not only is VP sometimes one of the best kept secrets, 
in uh, politics, presidential politics, it is also one of the most difficult decisions because it's the one that can make or break your campaign. Well, isn't that one of the reasons that Obama chose Biden was because he needed to have people feel like, like he needed white people to feel like he's like he was safe. And there was no better so, way to I mean, do that. To I mean, not and I was I voted for Obama both times. I didn't always agree, but I there was no other choice for me in that than Obama. Mm-hmm. Throughout his presidency, I didn't 100% agree with everything, but I was very, I, like, I was proud to say he was my president, right? I don't mm-hmm. want to, I'm not proud to say that this Cheeto in charge is my president, you mm-hmm. know, because tech, you know, I don't say not my president, like he's the president of the United States. I don't, I just don't even say anything. <laughs> yeah. Honest, well, this, I read it in an article. I'm not quite sure if Tanahisi Coates wrote it, but um, a couple of years ago, and they said, the people felt more safe when uh, they saw Biden because it was like the the old white man overlooking on a black man. Uh-huh. They felt safe because they're like, well, at least we have an old white man who actually knows what he's doing just in case this guy fucks yeah. up. Yeah, and, when you and I, I, that, I read that. Like, I read that and I was so irritated, right? That's, mm-hmm. why, I, that's why I brought it up. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so fucked up. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need somebody looking over me. Like, if you run and then we have to elect a man as a VP just to make sure that you don't lose your cool, right? Because us women, we're so emotional. I mean, yeah. I'm going to lose my cool just because of the person that I am, not because I'm Latina. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to be like, get off my fucking back. <laughs> and just because of who I am. <laughs> but, and see, that this is one of the things where um, pre- when people say prejudice and stereotyping and hate is you're not born with it. You're taught it. And it is all social. So unless we have radical transformative change in our country and in our system, we cannot change those ideals, right? There's going to be a reason why it's going to take us longer than 10 years to elect our first woman president. Why even the most qualified, I I was not a Hillary fan, but you know what? It was her or nothing. So, but she was the most qualified politician to be president and she still lost. And that was a gendered issue. People are just like, no, 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 she's just a criminal. No, because you have a man that seven women accused of sexual assault with actual evidence, and that was still not enough to, for him to lose. Yeah. Right? Well, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And we keep seeing these cycles of oppression and of violence and of... Um, the inability to be progressive with society like it it took when they ratified the three-fifths rule lie right they didn't want to give uh black men the right to vote but they're like well three-fifths rule right like three out of five means one person like that we're good that's giving you rights um when it came to women having the right to vote it only included white women Right. And it didn't even include white women that were single. It was only married white women. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we really celebrate Women's History Month or like the right to vote or when we um, celebrate the liberation of black bodies, like of who, though? Right. Of who, who which lives mattered at that point. We talk about being anti-abolitionists, but whose life were preferred for centuries before other bodies. And. 
the presidential politics, it's been white men since the conception of the presidency. It has been the oligarchs, it's been elite men. None of the men that have grown up in, that have been presidents were poor, except for like maybe four of them. Most of them were in the military. Like, you know, they're elites. Yeah. And the United States is not an elite country. We're not. 1% is elite, and the 1% still apparently decides who gets to be the president. A lot of that would, a lot of that comes, I think, more than anything from society because we do not change that we have not changed some of us have changed right some of us believe that women should be in office and that they deserve to be in office some of us believe that our lgbtq brothers and sisters they deserve to be in positions of power as well and they are not but it takes us right it really takes citizens to make that change and women are unfortunately still second-class citizens. And then you add race, it becomes lower than that. Then you add um, income inequality, it goes even lower, right? Single mothers, single fathers, there. The, there is just so much <laughs> that is already stacked against women that for women to actually win means that also women have to support other women. And that's the thing. I don't, we're, we shouldn't be waiting on men to be allowing us into these spaces. It's the women in these spaces that should let us in, and that's the biggest hurdle. Because 53% of white women voted for Trump in 2016, and I'm never gonna let them forget that. We also take away part of the human, um, we dehumanize women, right? When women be, get married, we dehumanize women, because now their worth comes from the man, and this isn't a heterosexual couple, right? So it's like, well, now they got power because of him. And it's like, well, that is the, that, that is the first question that should be asking. Why does power come from men? Yes. And no, exactly. Men, right? Exactly. So it's kind of like, even if you're a white woman, it's like, why are we still measuring our worth based on a human being like this? But less to say, going back to the politics, <laughs> going back That's to what's awesome. going to happen, I'm, I'm thinking that Biden needs to really rethink as to who his target should be in the next couple of months. Because there is Latinos for Trumps and uh, campaigns all over, right? And African-American or Black for Trumps. The, he, if he actually has a coalition about young people for Trump, Latinos for Trump, Biden's got to do that. I'm sorry, you just have to build a platform where people get represented, okay? So he also, the fact that Biden has the Black vote of the South, he should capitalize on that. Mm -hmm. He should capitalize on that because if I know anything about some of the organizers in the South is that they have some of the largest coalitions led by women of color. Let them take the reins on campaigning on that end of the country and focus on the youth. Focus on what's going to make you look somewhat progressive to some of the young people that really feel defeated after Bernie dropped out. Well, not dropped out, but he's just suspending his campaign. Because that, that is going to be it. People are just like, well, if you have the black vote, mm -mm. now it's, you're, you're going to need more than just the black vote. You're going to need the Latino vote and you're going to need the young vote. And that is going to be the most difficult part of this hurdle. And I don't think Biden has what it takes. Are we going to have to rally behind him? Unfortunately so. But do I believe he has what it takes? No. 
No, that's why I'm, I'd rather focus on the local elections, focus on turning any red seed blue. Yeah, that's and it. that is, you know, here's the, and I think what people don't realize is if we turn the Senate, if we keep the House and we flip the Senate, Trump yeah. has no power. Mm-hmm. He won't be able to get anything done because he'll be stalemated for the next four years, just like it happened with Obama. Yeah. So I so, think, like, again, we need to look at the big picture. We can't just hyper-focus mm-hmm. on, on what's happening. It's so mm-hmm. important because there is, you know, justices on the Supreme Court that are, I mean, look at what happened with Anthony Scalia. Nobody thought he was going to die. It was, if he didn't, not that he much not that tons would change but just the fact that Trump has gotten two people young younger on the younger side who will maintain a seat on the Supreme Court for a very long time is a really big deal and again the courts maintain society like they honestly can maintain I, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say culture uh because it isn't it but they do maintain the status quo Mm -hmm. when it comes to laws i mean it took a supreme court case to ensure that women have the right to take maternity leave it took a supreme court case to ensure that black and brown people in the united states had the right to vote it takes a supreme court to ensure that there are there is an X number of years, right, for you to stay as president of the United States, right? The integration of school, like desegregation of schools, it took a Supreme Court case. So I'm just thinking to myself, like, what part of it is bigger than the president does our community not understand? Because yes, it is important for you to vote for the president, but it is just as important to know who is your local representative, who is in charge of Making right now that we're talking about rent moratoriums and rent strikes in San Diego, it takes the city council members of your city to actually say that it is against the law if uh, renters or uh, landowners force you to pay. So not all cities have passed it. Only about six cities in San Diego have. And the thing is, it's not even a rent suspension where no, it is not. It's a moratorium, mm-hmm. which be, means if you can pay it, you should pay it because you're gonna you're gonna end up having end up paying it. Yeah, know? exactly, exactly. And you know who has who's the only one that has the power to actually freeze rent by law? The governor. So maybe we should be focusing on those things that could actually affect us, right? When we're in a crisis, is oh wait, it's not just the president. The president actually doesn't rule everything. Newsom is the one that has gotten, has been able to use our funds from California to be able to contract other companies to make N95 masks. It was the governor's office that was able to secure the fact that some prisoners have been let go from prisons if they don't have chargers, charges that are uh, threatening to the community, right? It is the governor, actually. And it also, for Congress members, if I start breaking it down like this, Congress members have the power not only to have access to funds for certain, like if a constituent cannot pay their rent and they make a case to the Congress member, the Congress member can actually vouch for them. You can go to your Congress member and say, you know what? 
all of us, all 400 of us in this building cannot pay rent and we, here are 4,000 signatures that you should continue this rent moratorium or actually cancel rent for this month, the, the Congress member can do that. So we actually do have representatives that have more power. <laughs> yeah, and I had no idea. That I think those are the things that we're, first of all, we don't have a true, I mean, I had think I had civics in growing up, but they don't really have civics growing up. You don't learn about the government yeah. and how it truly works and that's something else. I mean, our education is un, fully unfunded. And now I think parents are realizing how much teachers actually do eight hours a day. Because are you kidding me? Anybody with toddlers right now that you're stuck with one or more toddlers in your house below the age of seven? Godspeed, because yeah. that is hard. <laughs> Girl, I have been saying I have so many friends and family that are teachers. And for years and years and years, mm-hmm. I've just been like, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you so much. Because right. first of all, I remember like I was mostly pleasant, but I definitely had a year or two where I was a terror. Middle school. I feel like middle school teachers are like, Lord bless you, because mm-hmm. middle schoolers are the craziest. They're terrible. I'm, they're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and so just seeing how much work my teacher friends have done and my mm-hmm. and my family members and everything, just seeing all of that, I'm constantly like, you guys do not make enough. I know that you Mm -hmm. don't make enough. And if you don't know a teacher outside of what your child goes to, you do not realize how much work teachers do. They don't have, it's not like, oh, they get all this time off. Do you know that their time off, they're still spending money on supplies for the kids. They're still grading papers. They Mm -hmm. still have, they still have to go to school for different trainings and for this and for that. It's not like, oh yes. And then they, when they're in class, they still have to deal with parents because it's shifted so much with Mm -hmm. my teacher called my parents, my parents, Mm -hmm. what did you do now? And it was on me to build a case for myself. And now it's on the teachers to build a case because the parents are automatically like, my child said they wouldn't do that. Well, how well do you know your child? Right. Come on. Yeah. So I've seen something else that I'm, it does have to do with politics, but it was, I just saw this. I've only seen this from one person, but I, I thought I was, a little bit infuriated and a little bit understanding. It was like a mix of emotions when I read this. Mm. Talking about going kind of back to what we're talking about, men in power, white men in power, and and Mm -hmm. not, right now it's obviously the baby boomer generation that truly has all the power. Mm -hmm. Like it's these older generational thing. and, And as everything gets, as they die off, I mean, that's really what's going to happen as they die off, because that's what happens when we get older, right? Um, As they die off and as those seats are filled, because the younger generation is more diverse, do you think, this is the question I pose to you, somebody had said, why are we still in the United States when the United States doesn't give us opportunity? Why can't we just leave and start somewhere else? What do you think Mm -hmm. of that? Um... Well, all I'm saying is that nothing is stopping if you have the ability to move. Nothing is forcing you to stay in the United States. I honestly do believe that the idea that America the Great and, you know, America makes all the dreams come true is an elitist way that the country has made itself be, right? 
it's because we are capitalists and we are first world nation. And that means that we have more money and more opportunities and, but it's not opportunities for everybody. It's not opportunities for everybody. It's not, there's no equity. There's no form of access to monetary, like there's no monetary gain unless you have an in somehow or some way. But I think a lot of people stay here because of the idea that has been created around what the United States of America is supposed to be. Um, And it's only gotten worse, right? I mean, it's... I don't think think the United States has ever been great. No, I'm just... It's almost like when you when Trump says make America great again, he's talking about make America white again. Really, let's be honest. It's not he's about make America the America that it was in 1950. Yes, right? where again means that he likes something from our past, but we've supposedly moved forward from that, right? So he wants it to go back to an era of hate and oppression, which is quite what we are still yeah. in. Right, like we're we're still in that. That hasn't changed. Just looks different. Systemic racism is now the new form of racism. Right, still racism, but it's systemic. Right, now you have classism, where only certain levels of class have access to resources. Right, why is that? Like for me, I was thinking all these artists um, and uh, rich folk um, that started having tests done early during the pandemic. But then you're wondering, okay, in the communities. So I was reading yesterday that 34% of New York, no, 29% of New York is Latino. And 34% of the deaths due to COVID are from the Latino community. So you're telling me that you are choosing somebody to get a ventilator or not. Yeah. Right. And that is systemic racism. When the Surgeon General says that he advises brown and black people to I stay saw alcohol, right? That is systemic racism. Why and the not? Surgeon General is a black man. And the black man doesn't mean you're not racist, though. You can still no, be racist. I d- it's just so like. <laughs> and you can still be classist, right? And he, and, and that is such a hurtful thing to say because. Well, he, I understand he was making remarks of like, hey, just don't try and do other harmful like things to your body during this pandemic, anything that will reduce your immune system. You could have said that instead. You could have said that instead. But if our black and brown communities are in, in apartments that don't have, they're, they're really not safe for you to live in for your health in general, right? But you're saying to stay off of alcohol? Like it shouldn't be that it's been that these apartments should be checked on to make sure that there's no mold or asbestos in there, right? When the safest place to be is the most dangerous part of town. Like, what are you saying, really? And then the whole thing with these these landlords mm-hmm. dividing one apartment into like five apartments, and you have how many people living in one apartment? Like, yes. you think that doesn't contribute to it? Come on now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is, and, and then let's take a step back. That one apartment has seven people because of rent increases, increases, right? So what we should be doing is make housing accessible for all, not for some. Right. should not be increasing rent because, well, now everybody's moving to North Park. Before North Park in San Diego wasn't what it was today. Nothing compared to it. And now it's being gentrified, right? Now rent is going up. 
now it, it is looking all like, believe me, I love going to North Park. I love going to my bars and my coffee shops. But do I recognize the what else is happening? I do. Well, look, do. even in San Diego, you go to, you know, Barrio Logan. Yes, and that is and getting... That, and that is like hurting my heart so bad because... Mm-hmm. Even growing up, we would sometimes go there. Like we went for field trips and we went, you know, different things. And like looking at all of a sudden the, whatchamacallit, escapes me. Oh, the murals under the bridge. Yeah, the murals. Yes. And, And seeing that. And then I go now and I go to like Northgate, the Mexican market over there. And you see these brand new apartments. And then I see people in Northgate that I'm like, I know they would never walk in here otherwise if they did. And I'm like, now they're living in this brand new apartment that's right next to the park, right mm-hmm. next to Chicano Park, in between, literally in between Chicano Park and Northgate Market. Yeah. And then there's a brewery under at the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like a microbrewery. And you're just like, wow. It's just so frustrating because now... The, and that has such history, right? Chicano Park yeah. is a designated historical park. Mm-hmm. Been around for over 50 years. Mm-hmm. And so much history in regards to that park. And mm-hmm. specifically in regards to the government wanting to tear down and put a freeway right in the middle of it. Yeah. And white people to have direct access to the beach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Now there's a bridge over it, so they've they've compromised, so it's over it to not break up the area. Mm-hmm. However, still what was what was being fought for 50 years ago is now become a losing battle as that area becomes starting to become gentrified as well. The process of renovating a district in order for it to conform to the middle class, it is the most <laughs> When you when you when gentrification means you have to force people to conform, and forcing people to conform to the middle class means kicking them out of the homes they have been in for over thirty years. But there's another definition for gentrification where it is the process of making something more refined or polite. And when we say refined is polite, to who? For who? For whose benefit? Definitely not the people that have made their living in their house, like their homes in Barrio Logan, right? And there is something beautiful about, I see so many women-owned and Latino-owned shops in Barrio Logan to keep it Chicano central, right? Like what it is, all the history, the beauty of Barrio. And now it is literally local representatives that are trying to conform the people to change. Of course, Barrio wants some things that North Park has. It, it wants the coffee shops. It wants the streets and the people to be able to walk safely from their home but it doesn't want it to become it. And that is completely fine. We shouldn't be forcing the middle class on people because there shouldn't be class in the first place. There should be no thing as class because then there is hierarchy. And then with hierarchy is fights. And with hierarchy, we have currently what we have today. And that would be another episode on social conflict theory. <laughs> well, we have plenty, plenty. But So now with all of this happening with COVID-19, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people realize because here was a, a big thing, and I do believe in like I do believe healthcare is a right, not a privilege. Mm-hmm. I've always thought that. I don't understand how it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, as a contractor, I have that conflict conflict myself. Yeah. 
and I think this, you know, whole thing of if you want to keep your insurer, you should be able to keep it. Do you think in a, in the larger sense, this whole COVID-19 with all of the people that have gotten laid off? I mean, last week, there was like 6.6 million unemployment claims. Yeah. Just yeah. last week alone. Yeah. Do you think that that will shift people's thinking in regards to healthcare being a right and not a privilege? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the virus does not discriminate. The virus did not discriminate on you having money and in view and wherever you were at. People thought they were safe. I take great care of myself. Nothing's going to happen to me. I'm still going to go outside. You still got COVID. You still got it. The virus doesn't discriminate. Pandemics don't do that. Um, it's definitely going to change people's mindset of it. The the problem now is, are the insurance companies going to change as well? Because one thing is all of us recognizing that I should not have an $8,000 bill for delivering a child. I should not have a $6,000 bill for using a ventilator that was saving my life. I should not even have to pay to call an ambulance to take me to the hospital. Right? So those are opinions, but you have to turn those into policy change. And the only way to do that is for the insurance companies to change that. How do you think that actually happens? Because we know that there are lobbyists and a lot of the lobbyists, their job is to get the representative Senate and house to vote the way they want them to vote. And obviously we can, you know, vote people who represent, you know, who, who look like us. Obviously, that's where it starts, right? Voting mm -hmm. people who mm -hmm. look like the neighborhood to represent the neighborhood. Like, how do you, how do we make sure that that's actually happening when it's, in, you know, when our representatives do head to Washington? We vote for somebody, mm -hmm. we want them to represent our true interests. How do we mm -hmm. make sure that that continues to happen when they are there to keep them accountable to us and making sure, because the thing is, I think we vote and then we kind of lose track. We don't pay attention. We don't, you know, my representative is not going to be in the next election. It's going to be a brand new representative for this district. Right. So when, whenever that person comes, like, what should we be doing? What should I be doing to make sure that they are staying true to their word, that they are not being bought by lobbyists, that they are doing, working in the best interest of our community? Like, what are the tools? What can we do? Because really, at this point, it's all about ease. Everybody wants, you know, like, let's be real. People aren't going to go look it up and all this and that to look. Like, what is the easiest way to make sure that the people we vote into office are truly representing our interests and not being swayed by lobbyists that is eventually going to, that's going to continue to hurt us? First and foremost, you protest. You protest if that's by making a march, if that's by host, holding a town hall meeting, uh, you organize to make sure that there is a face to, right? Um, my second, why I feel that, that protesting and activism is one of the most vital ways of keeping our representatives accountable because there is no way of hiding us, right? There's no way of hiding that. But how do you find out like what they're, I mean, is that the only way is really to go look it no, up no, online, no, right? That's the first step, right? That's the first step because you get momentum. Momentum is important when you're trying to look for accountability. Then, well, after building momentum, you call your representatives because it, 
having worked in a Congress member's office, whenever somebody calls, you have to log it in. It can't be like, oh my God, some other person called because they're tired of Medicaid. You have to log it in. You have to log in and you have to count how many calls you got each day, each week of every month. And if you have 400 people calling your office for the next week, telling you that you need to suspend rent for a month, you have to count that. Because every time when representatives show up again for sessions, they have to share that with the committees. And most of your constituents are sharing that you, they want rent to be frozen. Now I'm using rent as, a, as an example. Um, or to have more access to ventilators. You have to share that. You must share it. right? Even if you are not, you do not agree on that, it is logged in. And because so many people called, so many people can say, yes, I did call. And you know what happens? People start checking on your phone. Like, how many times did you call? Did you really call these people? So even if a, a representative was to lie, they'd get caught on it. Gotcha. Which is why it's so important when people are like, make sure you call your representative and you tell them to X, Y, Z. It is important because it is, it is a record. Right. After that, it is ensuring that you are going to your local town hall meetings, committee meetings, you know, anything. If you are interested in healthcare, then be involved in the committee, in health committees in your city, right? I mean, look uh, at what happened with when they, when they were going to totally gut healthcare. I mean, they have done a lot, but yeah. I mean, but when people were getting, you know, hold of it, they were like, how many people were showing up on both sides saying, you better not take my health care away. I'm going to, you know, or you're not going to, we're not going to vote for you. I mean, that's one of the reasons that Democrats were able to flip the house. Yeah. was based on that issue because people were making it known. And then when it came time to vote, they voted based on the issue. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's the issue of health care is definitely going to be a top of the list now. Right. Before people were like, oh, the economy and uh, the military, and now they're going to be like, damn, the military can't do nothing if they're sick, though, right? And I think that's going to change a lot of people's perspectives, and it's also going to inspire people to run for office, and that is exactly what I want. I want women to get inspired because they did not benefit from anything that happened during this pandemic, mm -hmm. right? Women are dying. Children are also dying. Youth is dying because of this. So these people should be inspired to say, you know what? I need to point out the major difference that is happening between those who have access to healthcare and those of us that don't. Not only that, but the people at the front lines, the doctors, the nurses, the physicians, they're also in a losing battle. There's so many of them. There's not a lot of physicians here, right? There's, I also think about it, there's not a lot of hospitals in San Diego. There is no hospital in Imperial Beach. Oh, there isn't? And there is no hospital here. It was the closest one over Hillcrest? No, the closest one is if uh, Chula Vista, and oh, that yeah, is Chula still uh, like a 12-mile drive. Wow. I mean, my sister is a nurse practitioner, and she mm -hmm. it works at a hospital in the ICU. She's fortunate where they're at. It hasn't been crazy yet, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that it, I haven't heard in California being too much because I think the governor acted so quickly, so mm. early into it. And I think that's mm. definitely helped in regards to the cases that we've seen here. Obviously, we've seen instances of elections being postponed. Wisconsin was not postponed. And it, 
I'm sure you are more eloquent in regards to saying it than I am, but can you kind of just explain to people like why what happened in Wisconsin is so important and what do you think, how do you think that's going to impact the general election? So what was done in Wisconsin for folks that are, you know, listening may not know is that since they didn't delay or postpone the primaries, people still had to be in line for hours in rain. Because they closed down many of the polling places as well. There was only like... Yeah, you can only have so many people in the polling place, first of all. Um, and people, like you saw people, it was raining. Some people started getting hail. And there was no way of safely uh, maintaining distance between people, right? Physical distance in a public space. Even then, folks came out by the thousands because they understood how pivotal it is to, to vote in this moment. And they know how much is on the line if they don't. However, the, like you said, the governor understood there's nothing wrong with postponing a primary. Actually, let's prefer it because we will keep our community safe. But the GOP and the representatives said, no way, we still need to show people that there's some form of normalcy in their life. We are not going to postpone it because we don't want them to feel like their voice doesn't matter. That was their argument. We don't want them to feel like their voice doesn't matter in this moment. So we're still going to keep the primary. So you rather, so that's a form of voter suppression, right? Because how many people actually came out? It's not representative of all of Wisconsin. So this is a form of voter suppression. So many people showed up. Pretty sure that most of the people that showed up are middle or older, right? And that is definitely gonna set the precedent of who Wisconsin chooses in the general election. So it is. it was bigger than just how dare you hold the primary. It was a form of voter suppression with a mask of, but we still want the people to voice out their opinion. You didn't care about them voicing out their opinion. And beyond that, didn't this, I mean, even though there wasn't an actual ruling from the Supreme Court, United States Supreme Court, wasn't it kind of hinted at that they wouldn't postpone the election had it gotten to them? Yeah. Like, so this is why it's so important that we need to not have this tunnel vision in regards to the presidency. We mm -hmm. do need to have that, but this is why, like, this is why it's so important that Trump does not remain president. But this is also why it's so important that we do flip the set, continue to keep the House and flip the Senate. Because Absolutely. if it were to go to the Supreme Court with Neil Gorish and uh, Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, there really hasn't been any instance where they, you know, they're showing any sort of support for diversity or people of color or what, you know. So it's like you have to, that's why it's so, so important to not just be so tunnel vision on on this whole thing how do you think that it's going to affect the general election i think we're going to see higher numbers than from 2016 of folks that are not going to go out to vote well here's a so i have a question just to okay. that so for example california we have the option to vote by mail several states have the option to solely vote by mail there's been the proposal that the 2020 election is held by mail and ballot Mm -hmm. uh, and Trump is starting to, 
you know, do this whole, oh, well, this will mean more people will blah, blah, whatever the fuck he says. I can't even, I can't, I can't even watch his stuff because I was to say this, thank goodness for the San Diego stations that put on the local stuff because San Diego holds their local um, press events at the same time as Trump which I am so grateful for because we're hearing from actual people that care about the community and are giving information of what's happening in the community. Yeah. And I don't have to see the Cheeto in charge on my TV because, you know, you know, he's already jealous of the doctor because the doc, everybody's more interested in what the doctor has to say. Oh yeah, we all love Dr. Fauci. Yes. There's already been proposals and he's already trying to say like that will cause all kinds of irregularities or whatever. What do you think about an all mail-in ballot? We we have that option in California. That doesn't change for us. I think it's great to be able to have the mail-in ballot. Or how do you think that will affect if it did and if it didn't go mail-in ballot? Do you think more people would be more apt to vote with the mail-in ballot than without? I think that we would probably see an increase. The only thing is People are definitely going to wait last minute to send in the mail-in ballot. Um, it's probably going to take longer for us to get a prediction about who may be the president or not. Um, is it safer? Yes, it is safer. Is it more accessible? Yeah, because people don't have to drive and lose hours from work, even though I know California, you have the right, uh, it is by law that you are allowed to leave work almost an hour and a half early before your shift to go to vote. That is assuming that if you work a nine to five and, but regardless, I do think it is a safer choice. Do I think it is the best choice at this moment? Possibly, but it is the safest because in this time of now of physical distancing and, and this health pandemic, we need, it's, we're not going to be able to go out in the streets like normal when this thing is over. I, I wouldn't even dare. I wouldn't even show up to work I honestly for the next week when people are just like yeah stay at home is over everybody go back to the streets nah I'm still staying in my house for at least a week to make sure that we are actually good and then I'm gonna go out and and it's because of that new normal that a lot of people are going to start practicing different ways of staying healthy and safe and one of them is going to be distance we see the millions of people that go out in the ballots and they go out to the polls to vote. But you know what? We are in 2020 and the polls, going physically there is not necessary. It's a show to show people to keep traditions going. It's cute, it's cute, but it's not necessary. Mm-hmm. I think the second thing that comes with mail-in ballots is, are we gonna be able to hire USPS and more people for the postage? Um, so the ballots are able to get to the one place on time and safe. Speaking of the USPS, the fact that you say that, right Mm -hmm. now, like the, you know, Congress is on recess Mm -hmm. and funding for USPS needs to still go through for the United Mm -hmm. States Postal Service. And if it doesn't, everything stops. That means no mail. How many small businesses, because United, the Postal Service mm. is cheaper to use than FedEx, EPS, any of those types of things. How many mm. small businesses will be affected when right now the only thing that they can do to keep afloat many small businesses, if they don't have walk-in, if they don't have brick and mortar, is through the mail, mm. right? 
so that's why all of these things are important. I know that we keep saying this, guys. I know that these, but these are just all of the different, that just shows like all of the different layers that this is affecting. Like why the fuck are they on recess when we're going, there's absolutely no reason. And you know what? It's because we're not keeping them accountable. Mm-hmm. We are not keeping them accountable. We are not saying get your asses back and get to work. However you have to do it. Huh? <laughs> but get to work, right? Like, yeah. Get back here, but like get to work though. Yeah, do whatever the fuck you need to do. If you guys need to have like several different, I don't care what you need to do to make sure that anything keeps spreading. I know that they want to do physical distancing. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Like figure it out. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't figure out how to make this work, then why the fuck are you there? You're the one who makes the decisions for our entire country. So if you can't figure out how to get 438 representatives, is that correct? Am I saying the right number? It's uh, 435. 435. (laughs) And, but, you know, having 100 senators, like if you cannot get shit done, Mm -hmm. then then why are you there? Mm -hmm. Like all you continue to do is in the most critical moments, for the entire country, if you can't get your shit together, then you shouldn't be there. And we all need to we all need to think of that. We all need to look like that. We all need to figure that shit out. And I feel like I hope, I truly hope this gets us out of our apathetic mode because as a country, we are very apathetic in regards to representation, in regards mm-hmm. to actually what's happening in this country. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have a lot of people who are who aren't. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, country as a whole, we are very apathetic. If we weren't, we would be showing up to the polls in a lot larger numbers than we actually do. Absolutely. Say it louder for the people in the back. <laughs> the, oh, this mimosa is really kicking in. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, I should have what she's having. Um, but that is absolutely true. And the net loss of the U.S. Postal Service in the next 18 months is probably going to be something close to like 20 billion dollars like 20 billion dollars they already have a loan of 10 billion dollars to just make it out of this but they're going to still be losing 20 billion dollars in profit in the next year you're right don't be in like i'm pretty sure that the folks that created congress and senate you know didn't hope for us to keep the same method for 300 and plus years, right? They're like, you know what, maybe, maybe you don't need to be in a recess every two weeks, right? Like you can do work for four weeks and then take a break. Like, you know what I'm saying? Cause you're also human. You also deserve a break. Yeah. During times of crisis, when uh, we are being, ch- people in power, people in political power are being challenged to do what is right and morally just for the greater good of the nation. If you still like fucking decide to take a step back and go on break, get out. Get out because any place that any person that remains neutral in moments of great injustice, like the ones that were currently happening today, financial injustice, educational injustice, health injustice, if you are designed to stay neutral in these situations, there's a special place of hell reserved for you. Exactly. No, I mean, it's ridiculous. People that are willing to do the job. Do it. Yes. Yes. Do it. (laughs) Yes. I mean, well, you're, that's, that's your, uh, that's your jam is getting people to run for office. And 
I just, you know, my jam is just talking about when I'm with my political soul sister. That's you. <laughs> yes. No, seriously, there's nobody that I talk so much, so passionately about when I talk about politics than when I talk to you. And I appreciate that because we don't always have the same opinion. We, I think we have very similar opinions. And But you, like, this is your thing. Like, what I've, my lived experience is longer than yours. But your political experience is very much more in depth than mine. So mm -hmm. I feel like we're able to like help fill that. gaps and yeah. stuff. Of I'm just older. I mean, let's just be real. I'm like a lot older than you are. <laughs> but I think we, you are passionate in an issue that affects more than just you because, in, in a way, you are a very empathetic person. And you cannot be in politics or talk politics or care about politics if you're not at least empathetic or compassionate because politics is personal, right? And it, there is a reason. Like, I love talking about it with you as well because we find a source of. Not only is it a form of venting, but also we're trying to look for the solution or at least the resources that will be able to support our community. And that is, at the end of the day, we are just searching for the resource that is best going to support our community. And that's it. Yeah. Is that resource is a person or is that resource is a podcast, whatever it is. It's still a resource. Yes. I've gotten so much great feedback from people that have listened to the first political let's talk let's get political chisme so Ooh. i know that this will only continue i wanted to get this kind of bonus episode in because mm -hmm. i think it was so important to really understand like this whole thing and whatever your you agree or disagree with in mm -hmm. regards to viewpoints it's mm -hmm. ultimately we have to all agree that it's important to get to the polls it's important to make your voice heard and it's important to keep the people who we voted to represent us honest because mm -hmm. if we don't then they will be runaway trains that we can't stop until you know like for example in this i mean in, this person has not been voted in and i'm not going to be voting for her but i'm just saying in my district mm -hmm. So you see somebody like Sarah Jacobs, who is has so much money because she is a Qualcomm heiress. Mm -hmm. Let me just put that out there because she doesn't put that anywhere on her. That's not me. Yeah. But you had $9 million in funding for your campaign in just the last 12 months. Yeah. So she's run for Congress several times and hasn't ever won. And mm -hmm. now, you know, with this reform, she has... It's all about name recognition, right? When people, mm -hmm. just because you see their name over and over with a blue or red banner behind them does not mean that they represent mm -hmm. what you want them to represent. So yeah, there you might see a Sarah Jacobs ad over and over and over again, but have you looked at her website? Have you looked at other people's website? Do you know where she comes from? Does she represent the, she's actually run in several districts Yes, she has this district. Yes, and she has never won. So let's get it together, people. Like seriously, we need to get it together. There's a reason that she keeps she keeps hopping district to district. I personally don't believe that if you don't live if you don't live in the district or come from the district, I don't think that you should be able to run for the district if you don't live there or if you haven't come from there. Like sometimes people 
grow up in a district and they want to still represent the district that they've come from, you know, and I get that. That's totally fine. But if I don't, I think that if you haven't established that you have a true connection to that district by living there or growing up there, I don't mm -hmm. think you have any business representing that district. Why? Because the only reason you're doing it is because power. Yeah. Power. I mean, listen, Georgette Gomez also doesn't live in the 53rd district, but she grew up in it. Mm hmm. And as San Diego City Council president, she has a lot to do with it. Yeah. So she's actually in the front lines of what it comes with the COVID-19 uh, reforms and everything that's happening. So I'm just See, saying, I didn't like, even know she came from the district. And that's what I was just saying. Like, I, that's what I believe. If you don't come from the yeah. district, yeah. or you don't, you know, or you don't live in the district, mm -hmm. why the fuck are you trying to represent me? You have no idea what's why happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I'm fortunate of where I'm at in my district. I know this. Mm -hmm. Worked really hard to be to be here, but it's. I just yeah, it just frustrates me. And we, but we don't. Those are again things that we don't check. Those are things that we don't realize. Those are things yeah. that we don't know. And if we continue, continue to not do anything about it, this is just going to. The problem will continue to exacerbate and exacerbate and exacerbate and exacerbate until we will have no other choice but to leave. This is absolutely true. That is absolutely true. And we will not only that, but we will be forced to conform. We'll be forced to conform by the choices made by other people instead of the choices that we wanted to make for ourselves. Yeah. Oh, girl, I loved this conversation. I know we were kind of all over the place, but it was, I think, but we touched on so many great things. And I, as always, truly appreciate your insight. I know I kind of was in there a little bit more mixing it no. up, but, okay. you know, I always love your insight and always appreciate it. Mm, thank yeah. you so much. This I love just... being guests here. I love seeing you and I love for us to have these discussions. I think we're both very passionate about supporting each other and what we each do but also we are passionate about the future yeah right we are passionate about what is going to happen next and a lot of people are not wanting to think about the future and it's fine right but we also have to get prepared for that yeah you can't just live in the present for too long <laughs> yeah i mean it's great to live in the present but like you said we have to we have to think to the future especially right now yeah. I mean, so i don't know but thank you otra vez Appreciate it. Until next time, mi gente, we appreciate that you've listened and, you know, please let us know your thoughts. And if you have questions, because this is kind of an ongoing thing that um, Aurea will be doing with the Wine and Cheese Me podcast. So if you have any questions in regards to what's happening, please just send them in. Feel free to send them, direct message them uh, to at the Wine and Cheese Me on Instagram or at the Wine and Cheese Smith podcast on Facebook, or I will make sure to include Aurea's mess handles as well. So you mm -hmm. can message her if you have any questions, because we really want to hear from you. I mean, these are just questions and thoughts that I have, and mm -hmm. that's what kind of gets bounced off. But if you guys have things, we want to make sure that we're answering those as well. Let us know. It would also be great to hear from listeners. What are some political topics that they'd like to hear a little bit more on? Yes, we'll right? make sure so to ask that. Yeah. Until next time, mi gente, saludos.
stated in the podcast, please make sure to send any questions so we can discuss on our next Political Chisme chat. You can message me directly on Instagram or Facebook, or you can message Aurea at, on Instagram at Aurea, that's A-U-R-E-A underscore B as in boy, P as in Paul. Do you have a story that needs to be told or know someone who does? Then please reach out to me via my social media. You can reach me on Instagram at The Wine and Chisme and Facebook at The Wine and Chisme Podcast because you know that I want to hear your story. Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Ratings of five stars are appreciated and positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, mi gente, saludos.